our series this morning, The Table. And so I want you to think about 66 books in the Bible and thousands of pieces of truth uh, that we need for our life found in the scripture. And that doesn't even contain everything that there is in the kingdom or everything there is to know about God's not even in the Bible. Because God can't be limited. He is unlimited. He can't be limited to a set of knowledge or a list or a, a, even a book as rich as the scripture. Inspired and infallible. He can't be just contained or limited or locked into it. And so what you have to ask then is, uh, this is a good question for you to ask for your life individually. And it's a good question for us to always ask as a church. Since we can't come every Sunday and emphasize every word in all 66 books each week or each month or even each year. What part of the gospel, what part of the scripture, what part of the kingdom is God focusing on in my life now? What is he teaching me? What is he, how is he changing me? So that's how we understand uh, the theme that we have for this year we call the table. So I'm saying to you, my discernment is the Holy Spirit is emphasizing the issues that we talk about in the table for Kingwood Church for this season. And so th that, that also applies on an individual level. We're just calling it the table. Now the table is a place where we've said relationships are built. When you sit and you eat with someone, relationships, you talk, you let the guard down. This isn't a task. Uh, this is a, a place of relationship. We sang it a minute ago. This is a place of grace. So as you sit and talk with someone and eat with someone, the relationship grows. You talk about things that you probably wouldn't talk about in a different setting. In every culture of the world, in every culture of the world, an invitation to, to sit at the table and share a meal with someone is a sociological invitation to a deeper relationship. When someone invites you to a table to share a meal, they are in every culture of the world saying to you, let's get to know each other. So uh, when we're on a missions trip, we always have, uh, you know, the host church or the missionary or whatever so many times invite us to an uh, incredible meal to just, it's a gesture, it's a signal to say, I want you to know you're welcome here. I want you to know you're received here. I want you to know you're loved here, you're honored here, and I want to get to know you. I want, I, you're an important person to me. And so that's what the table is. It's an invitation. It was no different in Jesus' day. Jesus spent hundreds of hours in his lifetime eating with his disciples and sharing that up-close personal space. It's no wonder then when Jesus was leaving the earth and he wanted to leave behind a symbol for us to remember his life, his death, and his sacrifice that he said, come to the table. As often as you drink this juice, as often as you eat this bread, he, we call it the communion table. No secret, no mystery, no wonder why that would have been a very easy and natural connection to make for anybody who knew Jesus physically and personally. That he would, he would reveal that part of the kingdom through the, through the communion table. To share this relationship with him, to be in a partnership with him. Now, we talked about that last week. We talked about how is it that Jesus then, 
invites us to come to the table. Personally, individually, Jesus invites each one of us to come to relationship with him, to come to fellowship with him. Jesus also spent an unusual amount of time sharing the table with people who didn't even believe in him. Didn't even believe he was a sham or a fraud or he was just a good teacher, he was a good guy, or he wasn't God or whatever. Now, uh, th- that time that he spent with those people was just as important as the time he spent with anyone else. Now, we're calling that, we said last week Jesus invites us to come to the table, but now Jesus also invites us to compel other people to come to the table. In other words, Jesus invites us to invite others. So let's think about the table then in terms of invitation. God invites us to relationship with him, and God invites other people to relationship with him through each one of us. So this morning, we don't have one chair at the table. We have two. Why? Because this is an invitation first to us, and then an invitation through us to someone else to join him here, to join Jesus in the same relationship that we have with him. So the question is, who is Jesus inviting to himself through you? Who is Jesus urging you to invite to him. When I was uh, a teenager, uh, I was, uh, had grown up in a little small church. I was the only teenager in the entire church. And so I, I got no mercy for any teenager that says, I don't have any friends. I, I, I didn't have any humans, let alone friends. I had nobody. Just there showing up. You know, little kids pulling on you. All the other ones had done escaped and I couldn't get out. And, and by the time I was 12 I, or 13, I dropped out. I'd quit going completely. And my mom would still go. And my sister had already left home, so I just hung out and watched football. And when I was about 15, I had some friends at the school that I went to. And uh, they, they, I can remember they invited me to come and sit with them in the cafeteria. Hey, come, come hang out. Come sit at our table. And so I was in the cafeteria sitting at the table, and, and I, something was weird about them people. They, would, they talked about the Bible. These are teenagers. They talk about the Bible. They talk about everything. But they talk about the Bible. They talk about God. They talk about church. They talk about, hey, can you believe this happened? Can you believe that? Did you hear that story? Did you? And I just was soaking it in and listening and thinking, you know, this is something. But more than anything else, that invitation was an invitation of acceptance. They just accepted me as I was. And it wasn't long, they invited me to come to youth service. So I thought, well, I, our church never big enough to have a youth service. You know, we, I was a youth. I mean, I'd have, I don't know what I'd have done. I don't, just ran it and went out there and watched. I don't know how that'll work. <laughs> so we never had any of that. And so I thought, okay, that's interesting, I'll go. And, you know, there's this guy, and they played some games, and they mixed it up, and he kind of broke it all down into a teaching that was... It was one of those times when he taught, you could sort of hear a pin drop. Like it was loud and things was going on. And man, it just started working on my heart. Then my basketball coach invited me to come to church on Sunday. And I thought, oh, yeah, I hadn't been to church in a long time. You know, whatever. I, I really respected him and he had a, a good impact on my life. So he invited me to come to church. And, and, and one by one, people kept inviting me to different things. I was invited to the men's breakfast, you know, now. I'm the only teenager again, but here I am with the men's. I invited to the church work day. You know, I was invited to serve in a certain area of the church. And, uh, and, I, and I just kept being invited to things. And here's what's 
Interesting. Somewhere along the path of those invitations, I heard, I heard Jesus invite me to come into relationship with him. Now, now watch. As I came into relationship with him, the invitations didn't stop. Then somebody invited me to, you know, serve and lead, lead this thing and lead the other thing. And uh, then I remember at my school, people began to notice the change in my life. And somebody, I don't remember if it was a teacher or maybe my coach, I don't remember. He invited me to speak in chapel. I was the first teenager in my high school's history to speak in chapel. I went to a small Christian school. And I remember he invited me to preach in chapel. And man, it was, and that, that opened the door to me understanding that God had called me to ministry. God was inviting me to do pastoral ministry. And I had no concept of that. And There's so many other parts of the story I could tell you, but here's what I really want you to get from that story. Do you think that those people inviting me to take those steps of faith toward Jesus were them inviting me or was it the Holy Spirit inviting me? Now the answer is yes. It was them inviting me and it was the Holy Spirit inviting me. And if that, if that understanding is clear to you this morning, then you're going to understand everything else I'm going to say. If, you, if, if that makes sense to you that yes, people were inviting me, but the Holy Spirit was inviting me through them. Maybe sometimes they knew it, maybe sometimes they didn't know it. But the answer to that question is both. And so I, I, I think in the Pentecostal church, we've missed this. We kind of are at a place, in the, in the, at least in the American Pentecostal church, we have an odd paradox. On one hand, we believe the Holy Spirit wants to baptize us with power, so we believe in the Holy Spirit's involvement and I think sometimes we believe in the Holy Spirit's involvement. Now, this will, you, don't throw stuff at me when I say it. I think sometimes we believe in the Holy Spirit's involvement too much. What I mean by that is we, we are depending on the Holy Spirit to do things that he's assigned for us to do. And we say, well, the Holy Spirit's going to do that. So when it comes to inviting people to the table, we say, well, the Holy Spirit's going to draw them. It's our job just to be here and to have church and to do church and, and, and we're going to pray and we're going to seek him we're going to seek him and the Holy Spirit's going to draw them. And that's what we do. Now if by that you mean God is working all the time and he loves people far away from him and he'll never stop working to bring them to himself, then yes, absolutely. That's the work of the Holy Spirit on the earth. But if by that you mean the Holy Spirit is doing evangelism and our only part in it is to stay home and pray, then that's very confusing to me because I can't figure out then why we send missionaries. Why are we a church that's so urgent about sending missionaries in the world? Why have you so sacrificially given that we got 86 missionaries we're sending off? Why don't we just call them home and have a hot prayer meeting? And then God will reach the nations without them. Because the invitation comes from the Spirit through us. It's a combination, right? 
or otherwise we need to bring them home. If we're not careful, we receive the power of the Spirit as a personal blessing, but we miss the purpose. That's to share the love and truth of Jesus. So our culture's moving away from God at a historic rate, and we cannot believe that prayer alone is going to change our nation, let alone an individual. We have a role to play. Now, before you uh, think I've gone mad, uh, turn to 2 Corinthians. I should ask you to turn there. I want to show you this in Scripture. And then we'll talk about it in a parable that Jesus told. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20. All this is from God who reconciled. Now, if you have a pen, you might want to uh, circle a word here. All this is from God who reconciled. Circle that word, us. He reconciled us. He invited us to the table to himself through Christ and gave us. He invited us to the table and then he gave something to us. What did he give to us? He gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed, here it comes again, to who? He has committed to us. What has he committed to us? The message of reconciliation. And then uh, here's another form of us, we. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through who? Us. Appeal is another word for invitation. As though God, we've said this whole month, we're going to talk about the table as an invitation. You and I have been invited to come to the table. You and I have been invited to be a minister of reconciliation. So the Holy Spirit then invites people through us. Now, let's look at Luke 14, uh, the passage I originally asked you to turn to. There's a story that Jesus tells that's uh, a powerful, and I just want to pull a few nuggets out of it that uh, maybe you haven't considered before. Jesus tells this story of a man, an owner, who threw a great banquet. And that man prepared the banquet, and he invited a lot of guests, but all the guests made excuses. Some of them said, well, I bought a field, and I have to go see it, so I can't come right now. Another man said, I just bought some oxen, and I'm on my way to see them, so I can't come right now. Another guy said, well, I just got married, and so I can't be there. And this invitation represents the entire Old Testament and God's selection of the Jewish nation and his invitation to the Jews to come and to be his people. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. He's the owner. He invites the Jews to come to the table with him. And what do the Jews do? Sure enough, they reject him. So that's what the parable, that's what the parable means. Now, so the Jews reject Jesus uh, so they wouldn't come to the banquet and they wouldn't eat with him. So, so the owner in the story told his servant to, okay, fine. Then go out, if they, if they won't come, then go out into the streets and the alleys and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the blind, and the lame. By the way, that represents us. We're the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the people who weren't picked by God, who weren't selected by God, who weren't part of the original holy nation, who weren't involved in that at all. But when Jesus came and he died, he's telling the story to show us that when resurrection comes, when the sacrifice of Jesus comes, the table's going to be open to everybody. The poor, the broken, the lame, the blind, people who have no Jewish heritage, people who don't have any religious training, people from all backgrounds and all walks of life. Then the servant said, 
Well, that's, that's also, we already did that. We knew you would say that, so we already did it. But there's still room. So now look at Luke 14, 23. Here's the verse I want us to look at. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. So we learned from the story there was a banquet feast, there was a table, the Jews were invited first but rejected, the gospel was then open to everyone, the lowest, the broken, the average, the down and out, the up and out. What I find interesting about the story that Jesus told is that attendance to the banquet or to the table had everything to do with an invitation. In other words, the people didn't just show up on their own. They didn't come to the table by themselves. They didn't get word in the street. Somebody went and physically invited them as a guest to this feast. Now that's very interesting to me. And I want to just highlight two things that have, to, that, that have to help us understand that invitation. Here's the first one. The invitation came from the owner, but through the servant. Right? The owner didn't go invite everybody. The owner sent his servant to go invite everybody. But the invitation came from the owner. The table was his. The food was his. The party was his. The banquet was his. The relationship was his. But he, but he sent the invitation through the servant. Even in Jesus' parable, we find this combination. This is the owner's party. It's his concern. But he sends his servant to deliver the invitation. The invitation came from the owner, but through the servant. Jesus is the owner. Guess who the servants are? Are you, are you still out there? We are. Who is Jesus sending an invitation to through you? That's the question. Here's the second thing I find interesting about the invitation. The last time, you know, give them the invitation, they didn't come. Give them the invitation, they came, but it, we're, we're not full. So Jesus says, okay. This time I want you to go and I want you to compel. Now that word compel, that's why we're saying compel, compel to the table. Compel is an interesting word. I looked it up. In Greek it means this. It means um, uh, to be needed. Now uh, in my southern vernacular, I'm not sure that comes through. Not needed like you need me, but needed like bread. You know, most of us don't make homemade bread anymore. But like you would put your knuckles down in dough and you would keep kneading it with your thumbs and you would keep spreading it out and working it until it got right go and knead them so to me when I understand compel that way it has some urgency about it there's some work that has to be done there's some steps involved so I, I thought about it like this a meaningful invitation a meaningful invitation. Everybody has been haphazardly invited to something. Oh, oh yeah, and you can come too. Oh, wow. Great. I was hoping, you know, you'd recognize I was alive. But, but we've also had that other kind where somebody says, you know, you've been on my mind lately. And I've uh, just been thinking about you. And, and I know you're going through a lot. And I was just wondering if, you know, Whatever, this is going to happen. You want to go out for a coffee and talk, or a meaningful invitation. 
There's a difference. There's a difference, a meaningful invitation that maybe takes some effort and some work. See, this is a big deal because I believe the Holy Spirit is drawing us into relationships that change lives. He's drawing us into a relationship with himself that changes us. And he's drawing others into a relationship with himself through us. And so uh, just as I was uh, listening and looking at some of this, you know, everybody in the room's heard of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham is known for, you know, evangelism and crusade evangelism. And look, uh, uh, even the Billy Graham organization has made a gigantic shift in the way it's trying to reach the American culture and basically said, look, crusade, you know, get them all to the stadium and have the best singers and we're going to present the gospel. That's like out. There's come a great distrust in the American culture in the church and in religious and spiritual leadership. And so where people are open now is to people they know. Not to the big thing, and not that that was, that's not wrong, that's right. And look, it's working in many places of the world, just not here. And so uh, that whole shift has happened. 90% 90 of people who come to faith today in America will do so outside of a worship service. So what does that tell you? Until the majority of the people that we are inviting to faith are coming to faith outside this service, we're not even scratching the surface on the potential of the people that we can reach and that God's called us to reach. And you've heard me say this uh, probably at least once by now. Shelby County is the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama. I looked it up again this past week because I wanted to make sure I had, the, had it right. This morning, 14% of the people who live in this county are in a worship service somewhere. Or this weekend, or in a worship service this weekend somewhere. 14%. That's lower than the national average. So the Bible Belt's not so... Bible Belty anymore. 200,000 people in this county and what is that? 14%. Good grief. I mean, you've got 170,000 plus people doing what? Not, not at the table. Not connecting. So the question I have this morning is, what is the Holy Spirit calling us to do? I'm just going to suggest, I think he's calling us to join him in inviting this county into a relationship with him. Now, what does that look like? Well, let me give you some ideas what that might look like. In the last six months, I've heard several stories uh, from people in our church who say, I, I really have this urgency that God is calling me to compel, to invite, to to." Invite people to faith in Jesus. So there's a man in our church that had the greatest idea. His boss is a real intellectual. So what he decided to do is he has written a book, short little thoughts of his about important issues like creation and um, the Bible and truth and just kind of written in an explanation form and gave it to his boss to say, man, I, I know these are issues that you've thought about and I'd love to talk to you sometime about it. Wow, that's an invitation. Uh, th there's a man in our church who had a relative that he uh, took out to dinner. That it, it, there was a distance there, and he said, "You know, I, I just want to I want to take you out to dinner." And you know, every, when you do that, and you hadn't heard from somebody in a while, you think, "What are they sell?" You know, they selling 
Amway now, or you know, what's the a pyramid scheme here somewhere? And we said, no, I just want to, I want to pay for dinner, and I just want to catch up with you. I want to talk, and I want to listen, I want to know how you are, and I just want to, I want to sit and get to know you better, and you know, maybe we hadn't had the relationship we should have, but let's talk, and let's, let's just see if the Holy Spirit opened the door. Uh, I got a Facebook message from a lady about two months ago in our church who started a Bible study. Now listen to this. She didn't start a Bible study like it's not in our, you're not going to find it in our life group directory. It's not there. Because if we do that, all the church people go to it, <laughs> right? And then, and then all the unchurched people run away. So uh, w- w- she invited people from her neighborhood. I'm going to do a Bible study, and I want to invite people to my neighborhood who don't go to church anywhere to come for the Bible study. Here, I just want to read the Facebook message she sent me. She said, hey, Jay. I stepped out in faith and asked my neighborhood ladies if they wanted to join a Bible study with me. It's been in my heart since January. That's the first time we talked about the table. But I've just not had a peace because of my health until now. I'm walking in healing, so, it's, it, uh, so now's the time. Well, there was big interest, and in the first meeting will be at 6.30 tonight. This was in June. It's already outgrown my living room, and we haven't even met yet. The homeowner association president called me and offered our community clubhouse to meet, so that's awesome. It's a big step of faith for me on the journey I call life. Please say a word of prayer for me. I'm not scared but a little nervous. I think I'm going to call at the table. Thank you. So I shot her a message back. I was in and out of town, so I got a message back to her a little while later. She replied recently. Here's what she said. Bible study's going wonderful. It started out as just ladies in my neighborhood. Uh, And now a couple ladies from surrounding neighborhoods have been coming. We're using a book called Bad Girls of the Bible. (laughs) I think that's genius. Bad Girls of the Bible. And what we can learn from them, each week we discuss a different lady and how we relate, and we can learn from their examples of what not to do. And she gave me a a little more, but one of the things she said is, she said, I'm learning. Uh, This lady's background is in counseling. She has a degree in counseling. She was a practicing counselor at one time. And she said to me in the message, she said, uh, I'm learning that pain is universal. And she said, there's a lot of pain in this group. And I just know that God has called me to minister. Wow. I just think that's incredible. So the invitation, compelling to the table is much easier than we think. And it's much easier than the devil wants any of us to believe. Right? Because it's this big thing and everybody hates Christians. And if you watch nothing but TV, you're going to get the idea, you know, all these wrong ideas. And people that are non-Christian watch TV and they get all these wrong ideas about who Christians are. But here's the basic deal. Can you pray for somebody? I'm talking about like in your devotions, privately, at home, by yourself, riding in the car. Can you pray for somebody? Can you care about somebody? Can you invite someone? To what? To whatever. (laughs) To whatever it is that that person needs to take that next step. To Could you invite them to hear your testimony? Can you invite them to share a meal? Invite them to coffee? Invite to get to know them better? Serve them in some way? Invite them to church? Invite them to an event? Uh, We're going to have regular events at our church because we're trying to partner with God's call on your life to give invitations. We're going to partner with God's ministry through you to be an inviter to faith, an inviter to Christ. So uh, maybe there's one of those events that fit. This past Easter we did that. We had a huge response this past Easter. You know why? Because hundreds of you invited people to Easter service. Now I got a question for you. 
Was it you inviting them or was it the Holy Spirit inviting them? And the answer is yes. And a hundred people responded for prayer. A hundred people don't respond for prayer just because you and I invite them. The Holy Spirit invited them. That's the proof. But a hundred people don't respond for prayer if just the Holy Spirit invites them by himself. I don't know why. It just is. And that's how we understand in the scripture. So uh, in a few weeks, we're going to have a picnic. We're going to have an all-church, big blowout, fun fall picnic. I think September 7th. We're going to have a picnic. We're going to have worship service, and we're going to have a fun, good old down-home picnic. This is a huge opportunity for you to invite someone who, who may, may be just saying come to church and they don't know, but hey, we're going to have a picnic, come with us to church. And here's what we're going to do on that day. We're going to invite people to receive Christ into their heart. Now the people who Jesus is inviting and we're inviting, something's going to happen in their life. They may not come to faith that day, but they're going to take a step of faith that day. And we're going to invite people to do water baptism. We're going to invite people to join a life group. We're going to invite people to uh, do a 30 serve. We're going to invite people to live streams. We're going to invite people to first step. Just maybe your invitation to something as simple as a picnic and a worship service or to a life group or to Scrooge or to a Bible study or to a cup of coffee just might be an invitation of Jesus to them to come to the table. They're not to be separated. Revelation twenty two seventeen says, now and I want you, if you have your something you can mark, I want you to mark this. Revelation twenty two seven, by the way, which is the final chapter of the Bible. This is God's last chance to talk to us in Scripture. The Spirit and who? And the bride say come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Who gives the invitation? The spirit and the bride. Who's the bride? The bride of Christ is the church. It's people who know. It's people who've been invited already and accepted the invitation. And they're at the table. The Spirit and the Bride give the invitation. So in the last chapter of the Bible, we see the church empowered by the Spirit to invite the world to Jesus. Look, I can't live with living in the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama. I can't live with that. If I lay my old gray head down on a pillow and die one day, and we did nothing to change that, I, I, I will not feel that my ministry ended well. We can't just do what we do in here. We have to do what Jesus does out there. So uh, this week I was at football camp. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And um, <laughs> I, I was at football camp and uh, it was hot. I don't know if you know that. Uh, it was flaming hot. And you got all these kids, you know, on the football team. And we're out there. And so coach says to me, man, he said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm blown up here. I need some help. Would you do the devotions every morning for us? Man, I, coach, I'd be honored to do the devotions for these uh, kids. So we got about 50, you know, high school uh, 
junior varsity football players. And you know, football, I mean, this is boys in the woods with some stank on them. You know what I mean? I mean, this is, right? You, you got, this is raw living. And I said, yeah, man. And coach, man, he's intense. You know, he said, all right, we're going to be at devotions by the lake at 6 a.m. or 6.30. Up at 6, 6.30. I thought, coach, you're killing me. Man, I, I might have to go give devotions at 6.30, and, you know, they're going to want to shoot me at 6.30. But, um, man, the Holy Spirit really moved on my heart. And what I did is I didn't know I was going to be asked to do that, so I wasn't ready for anything. So, um, But the Holy Spirit really gave me some insight. So I talked about uh, Solomon, how he wrote the book of Proverbs, and he wrote it to his son. And it was a book of wisdom. And I thought, you know, how incredible the wisest man that ever lived wrote a book of wisdom to his son. How much more personal can it be? So I said, look, this week, let's just talk like family. Let's just talk, man, like a father would talk to his son. Let's just talk. And let's see what wisdom the wisest man that ever lived wanted to give his son. It was, this isn't what we're giving to the public. This isn't, you know, good PR. This isn't whatever. This isn't a public. This is private between a dad and a son. What, a dad who loves his son, what would he give him? We talked through it. And I noticed this kid in the back, you know, this big old, I mean, giant athlete. You know, he just picked me up, snapped me in half. He keep, he's kind of looking, you know, every 6.30 in the morning, you know. I, I can barely even walk down there at 6.30 in the morning. Sleeping on bunks, you know, it's hot, dehydrated. He's sitting there leaning over looking at me every devotion. He's a new kid. His rough background, rough life, rough background. He just and his friend, and he's just staring at me, like just listening. So Thursday night we have a campfire, and uh, coach says, "I want you to share a devotion at the campfire." And and I just very important to me that these kids have an opportunity to ask Jesus into their heart. And the setting we were in, it was real tough to do. We didn't have enough in all the light, and anyway, it didn't work very good. So so what can we do? And one of the coaches came and said, "Man, I I feel like there are kids in this group that." that I bet they've never had anybody pray with them. Like they've never heard anybody out loud even say their name in prayer once. He said, I just really feel like we should try to pray for every kid. It's great. So we figured out, so I gave my testimony and I talked to him about my life and how God had changed me and how I was really nobody from nowhere. God found me. And Oh, I said, I want the coaches to come up here and join me by the fire here by the lake. And uh, we just said, look, we want to pray for everybody here. Not going to make you come. Everybody here, if you want to come, we, we want to pray for you. And you just tell us whatever need you have. If you want to uh, pray for anything, you tell us we're going to pray for you. So that big old kid has been staring at me all week. He comes up and finds me. There's about 10 coaches, and he, he comes to me. I say, hey, man, what's going on? Well, you know, man, I need help with my grades and this and that and other. I said, okay. I said, do you have a relationship with God? And he said, yeah. I said, how do you know? He said, well, I, sometimes in bed at night I pray. And I said, how long have you been doing that? When did that start? He said, I don't know. I said, have you ever, have you ever invited Jesus into your heart? Have you ever asked him to forgive you for your sins? And have you ever just invited him to take over your whole life? He said, no. I said, would you like to do that? I said, look, I, you don't have to do that now. I'm not pressuring you. Nothing's going to happen. I just want to ask you, you want to do that now? He said, 
no, no, I, I, I don't want to do it later. I want to do it now. I said, okay. Well, let's pray. <laughs> I guarantee you that's not happening in the public school. And as I stood there uh, by the lake, out there in the middle of the woods with this big old kid, my heart broke. And I wondered how many times he had ever been prayed for or prayed with in his life. I didn't invite him. I did invite him, but I didn't invite him. Jesus invited him. He just used me to do it. So I'm just saying to you, compelled to the table is not like a program or an event. It's a life that goes on with people around you all the time. And Jesus, for some reason, has decided to limit himself in some way to us. When we're inviting people, people are getting invited. When we're not inviting people, somehow those invitations just aren't coming as much. I'm not saying nothing happens, but not nearly as much. So this morning, I I just want you to stand with me. And there's a little empty chair here. And I'm so glad that as I sat at the table, there was an invitation that was open to this young guy to sit at the table with me. You know, that was cool really neat I want to ask our prayer team to come this morning and here's what I want to do I want I want to say three things and then I want to invite you to prayer maybe today you're here and you say I have a relative or a family member or a friend a neighbor a co-worker that God is so pressed on my heart I just want to come and stand in for them this morning. And I just want to intercede. And I just want to ask God to use me, to use somebody, to use anybody to do something, to give a breakthrough, to change. To change that person's life. So I just want to stand in with them. And look, you come to the prayer team. I I believe in the power of agreement and prayer so much. I know when people pray with me, I feel better. Things are happening inside my life. I'm encouraged. I'm strengthened. I feel more focused. I feel like I'm doing what God wants me to do better. And man, if you got that burden on your heart, I just want you to come and pray. Even if you stand in by yourself, I'll come pray with you. Let's stand together in agreement that God's going to do something. Maybe you're here and, and this whole conversation just overwhelms you and you say, I need God's help to do what you're saying because I don't, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't, I'm scared sometimes, I'm nervous. Hey, can I tell you, Jesus knew that. That's why he told his disciples, hey, go win the whole world. Then he said, by the way, on your way to do that, go to the upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit because he's going to give you power and you're not necessarily going to be a maniac or anything like that. But after that, you're going to have an ability and an empowerment and a giftedness and a strength you didn't have before when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be witnesses then. And they did. They shot out around the whole world. And the gospel went to every corner of the earth. From those people who were alive when Jesus said that. So that's not a a wish. That's a promise. So if you just say, I'm burdened today and I need God's help. I want you to come and ask God to help you. And then the last one, maybe, you know, I just thought how... You never know. 
maybe today's message in just talking about invitations, maybe this was God's invitation to you. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I'm away from God or I'm not right with God. I used to serve God or maybe I've never been a Christian. And you're here today and you say, you know what? As you're talking, I feel this strange sense in me that God's talking to me. Then all I want to tell you is that's Him inviting you to come to fellowship with Him. So I want to ask you if you'll close your eyes and nobody looking around. And prayer team, you're ready.